Welcome to Travel First with Alex First. With a mighty breakfast to end all breakfasts at the Radisson Blue Royal under our belts, or to be more accurate, in our tummies, we set off to explore all that Bergen had to offer. It's a place that has an abundance of charm and character, and not too many people. In other words, it's not overcrowded. As I mentioned in a previous broadcast, we're talking about less than 300,000 people, more like 280,000. First up, we took a bus for 10 minutes to a small farm owned by a pastry chef who works full-time as a teacher in two prisons. A delightful gentleman, his name is Harold Nidegger Urve Ede. He runs sheep and horses, a few chickens and a couple of roosters. His farm is one of nine that abuts one of four lakes that provide crystal clear drinking water to the city. There are no fences between his property and the lake. On the top of his barn, there's grass rather than stones, because stones can blow off in windy conditions. Harold is a fifth-generation farmer. He took over the property in 1988 after his father passed away. And here's an unusual tidbit. His property has on it a small stone prison from the 17th century. Quite a place. He began as a pastry chef in 1988, working in restaurants in Bergen, Stockholm and Switzerland. He started teaching prisoners how to bake in 1997 and appears to relish both roles. Interestingly, he also has his own label on delicious bottles of fruit juice, raspberry, strawberry, apple and pear, which is produced in conjunction with another farm. Upon our return to the centre of Bergen, we spent a fascinating half hour or so learning about the history of the Hanseatic League. It was a German trading company that operated in the North and Baltic Sea region between 1360 and 1761. Hanseatic merchants from northern Germany were running an office in Bergen's Brigand district, the Old Wharf of Bergen, in the historic part of town, which was rebuilt after a major fire in 1702. Their trading business was mainly based upon exporting dried fish caught in northern Norway and importing grain from the Baltic countries. 2,000 of these men worked in Brigand during the Middle Ages. Only men were allowed. Their wives and children remained in Germany. The law at the time said they had to be celibate, but just around the corner were ladies of the night who were designated as such by wearing drab grey hats. As the church saw it, they were a necessity to maintain the morale of the city. The Hanseatic Museum, which we visited, and parts of Brigham, the oldest part of the city, were declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1979. You can take a step back in time and see the conditions the merchants at the time lived under. The houses contained neither lights nor heating due to the fire hazard. Along the waterfront too, there are a few examples of characteristic wooden houses dating back to 1702. These are colourful with triangular gables. Built of Norwegian pine, some of the building's walls are soft and furry to the touch. Most interesting. That afternoon, we were met by a tour guide, Solvay Moore. That's S-O-L-V-E-I-G-H, Moore, M-O-H-R, who took us on a fascinating two-hour-plus walking tour of the historic parts of Bergen. 
You can reach out to her by email. Just type in Bergen Guide, that's B-E-R-G-E-N, bergenguide.solvay, S-O-L-V-E-I-G-H, at hotmail.com. First up was St. Mary's Romanesque style church, beautiful inside and out, with a magnificent colourful altar and stunning large wooden pulpit, complete with turtle shell inlays. Constructions believed to have started in the 1130s or 40s. It was completed around 1180, making it the oldest remaining building in the city. Snap away outside, but photography is strictly forbidden inside. Harkon's Hall was built between 1247 and 1261 by King Harkon Harkonson. It was the largest and most imposing building of the royal residency in the 13th century, when Bergen was the political centre of Norway. It certainly makes an impression. When the king's son married the Danish princess in 1261, 2,000 guests were invited to celebrate in the hall. At that time, Bergen was Norway's largest and most important town, and Harkon's Hall was the site of major national events, such as the drawing up of Norway's first complete set of laws. As a cultural monument, Harkon's Hall is still used for royal dinners and official occasions. If you know where to look, in other words, ask, the head stonemason has left his mark on the hall, the same mark that can be found at London's Westminster Abbey. On weekdays between 7.30am and 4.10pm, you can take a ride across Bergen City Harbour in a cute little ferry, which plies the route, lasting just a few minutes, 100 times a day. It's a heap of fun. We went across and back. As we wound our way up the hill past some lovely small historic houses in Brigan, we noticed a large carved log in the shape of a king cod. Fish, as I've already mentioned, being vital to the lifeblood of the city. It was designed in recent years by an Italian carpenter. Just before you get to one of Bergen's great attractions, namely the funicular, you come across a yellow building, which is the oldest school building that has been in continuous use since 1740. It was a gift by the German merchants to the orphan children of the city. An interesting element of the cobblestones that predominate in Bergen is that in some hilly places, there are cobblestones that have been laid on their edge in the middle of the street. That's so that horses carrying carts back in the day could get a good grip. Just above the entrance to the funicular, there's a large number of trees that have colourful covering around their trunk. That's something new, but it certainly makes a statement. In fact, it puts a smile on your face. They were knitted to welcome cyclists competing in the World Championships, which were held in Bergen in September 2017. I, for one, hope they remain a permanent attraction. Loved it. The funicular celebrates its 100th anniversary in January 2018. Its first wooden cars were built in Germany. Today's modern variant hails from Switzerland. The line is 844 metres long and the gradient steep, varying between 15 and 26 degrees. It carries more than a million passengers a year and the journey takes about seven and a half minutes, including three brief stops along the way. We arrived at the top after dusk to spectacular scenic and panoramic views over Bergen. If you get to Bergen, you just have to take a ride on the funicular. Indeed, to find out more about the fabulous place that is Bergen, just go to visitbergen.com. That's visit, 
B-E-R-G-E-N.com. At night, we received a special invitation to attend the Bergen Philharmonic Orchestra at Grieg Hall in a showcase of music from the golden days of Hollywood. What an evening. A full house saw a marvellous conductor, John Wilson, who weaved wonderful stories to the audience and a brilliant 90-plus piece orchestra performed the music from the scores of Ben-Hur and Psycho, Robin Hood, Gone with the Wind and the 20th Century Fanfare and so much more. They even managed to leave room for John Williams' Star Wars theme, even though that falls out of the reference to the golden days of Hollywood. My personal favourite was a super take on Tom and Jerry, complete with sound effects. The two-hour concert rightly finished with a standing ovation. If you can catch the Bergen Philharmonic Orchestra, you are in for a treat. And to find out more about Bergen, go to visitbergen.com. You've been listening to Travel First. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.